This program is brought to you by Abiding Above Ministries. If you're here today and you've been born again, you've put your trust where God has put your sin on Jesus, and you are genuinely saved, you have a treasure that's been entrusted to you. This treasure is your spiritual story. We call it your testimony. No one else's treasure is like yours. Your personal spiritual story is unique. Yes, we're all saved by the blood of Christ. Jesus said, I'm the way, I'm the truth, and I'm the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. And that's true. We all get to Christ the same way through the cross. But how the events transpired are unique. Brother Dwayne said that it was for him, Vacation Bible School, that meant so much to him. And that's true for many, many people for the last hundred years. But no one else's treasure is quite like yours. You have a story to tell. This is the question. Are you telling that story? Go and tell people your story everywhere you go to anybody that would listen. Now Jesus would teach there in Jerusalem. And what he would have to say would be shocking. He was considered a radical rebel rouser. And he was saying things in a way that it was like, I think he's saying that he is God. And he is. And he was saying that he was God. And so the scribes and the Pharisees, the religious rulers, and the Jewish people, some were rising up against him, trying to explain away what he was saying. But he would reinforce what he was saying with miracles. Wonderful, great things would happen wherever he would go, and the people just became more and more infuriated at him. He was claiming to be God. In one particular instance, there was a, a woman that the Pharisees brought, and they threw her down uh, at his feet, and they said, this woman has been caught in the very act of adultery. And the law of Moses said she should be stoned. And so they were trying to put Jesus in a trap. And so Jesus looked at all of them, and he said, which one of you is without sin? You cast the first stone. And none of them threw the first stone. And so what did Jesus do? Now remember, Jesus is God. So if you want to know what Jesus is like, read the Gospels and you'll see exactly what he's like. He said this. He said to the woman, he says, I don't condemn you either. You go and sin no more. That is what God is like. And this is what infuriated the religious rulers. See, they wanted to control the people. Much like the Catholic Church of our day controls the people. They wanted to control the people. And so uh, these things were stirring up trouble all over Jerusalem. And then we see Jesus was walking with his disciples. He turned his attention to a man who was born blind. And so he stopped and he looked at him. And Jesus spit on the ground. And he took that spit mixed it with the dirt, and he made some clay. And then he took that, and he placed it upon the eyes of this man who had been blind all of his life up to that point. And Jesus said, 
Now go, and you go wash your eyes in the pool of Siloam. And the man got up, and he went there, and he washed his eyes in that pool. And all of a sudden, for the first time in his life, he could see trees, rocks, stones, people, mom and dad. He was, eyes were physically healed. And so there the people were in, the, in his community. And the people in his community asked him, what happened? How did this happen? Uh, we've only known you as the one who was blind from birth and, and you sit at the gate. And you begged for food and you begged for money. What happened? And he simply told his story. He said, the man who is called Jesus made clay and anointed my eyes and said to me, go to Siloam and wash. So I went away and washed and I received sight. All of a sudden now, he can see. And this is his story. It's not like anybody else's story around. This is his own story. Personal, spiritual story. I was blind. Now I can see. And all the credit was given to Jesus. And so immediately they said that Jesus did not keep the Sabbath. The Pharisees were instigating the crowd. And they said, look, you know, this man, number one, he can't uh, heal somebody because uh, he's a sinner. Not only that, you're not supposed to do these type things on the Sabbath, they saw it as work. And so the people, the Pharisees asked him what happened. And uh, he simply told them his story. He applied clay to my eyes and I washed and I see. His story was the same. People disbelieved him, but he kept telling the story. So then the people went to his parents, hoping they'd get more information about exactly what had happened. And they Ask them, what happened to your son? Is he not the one who was blind from birth that we would see sitting out here begging for food and money? And they said, yes. What happened? And see, they were afraid. They were afraid that the Pharisees were going to put them out of the synagogue. And back during those days, if you were put out of the synagogue, out of the temple, if you were put out, you lost your job also, and you lost your family. And so instead of them answering their questions, their probing, manipulative questions, what did they do? They said, he's of age, you go ask him. So the Pharisees claimed Jesus was a sinner, Jesus could not heal, and his own mother and father were afraid to tell him exactly what happened. But you know what he said? He said to the Pharisees, talking about Jesus being a sinner, which Jesus was not, he was without sin. You know what he said? He said, whether he is a sinner or not, I don't know. One thing I do know, that though I was blind, now I see. I want to ask you this. Your personal salvation experience, when you were spiritually blind, and then you begin to see, it may have been vacation Bible school. It may have been like these old-fashioned revivals that we had years ago. It may have been under hellfire brimstone preaching, or it may have been from uh, the, the message of a simple pastor helping you see the cross of Jesus Christ. But you came under conviction that I know I'm separated from God and I know I need to be in a relationship with God. And whether it's through a gospel tract, a simple word by someone else, you believed on the Lord Jesus Christ and you were born again. 
Has it so affected you that you find yourself still talking about it, no matter what maybe that you go through as far as people trying to trip you up and things like this man uh, went through? And so he said, one thing I do know, that though I was blind, now I see. But they still wouldn't believe him. So he told them this. The man answers and said to them, Well, here's an amazing thing, that you do not know where he is from, talking about Jesus. You're disbelieving what I keep telling you over and over again. I was blind, now I see. Look at me, I am the testimony. This really happened to me, you know that it did. And he said to them, This is what's an amazing thing, that you do not know where he's from, and yet he opened my eyes. That was his story, and he maintained it. It was real to him, and it was so real to him that he had to share it, though he was put out of the synagogue for being a disciple of Christ. He went straight ahead with boldness, without compromising, and he shared his testimony with the community. He went against the Pharisees who were trying to discredit him. He it put him out of the synagogue. He went with certainty and boldness, saying, My eyes have been opened, and it was this man, Jesus, who did it. Now, all of us who've been children of God for a long time have gone through different times and seasons of our life. But over many years, I've watched this over and over again. When I'd really be growing in the Lord and turning the conversation to spiritual things, a lot of times it makes people uncomfortable. I've been in places where I'd start talking about Jesus and people start coughing. <coughs> I've seen a cousin of mine, when I started talking about Jesus, do this. It made them uncomfortable. You see, a person who's without Christ, they don't like the environment of Jesus. It makes them uncomfortable. And so they try to do things, make noise, get busy, they're fiddling, all this kind of thing. Because they're quenching the Spirit, the movement of the Spirit of their they're quenching it and grieving it and holding it down because it's like coming into a light when you prefer darkness. Our testimony, our personal story may embarrass our family. You may have brothers and sisters, aunts and uncles, grandparents. When you begin to talk to their friends or in some place where you're together and you begin to talk about Jesus, they just feel so embarrassed. Remember this? Jesus said that if you're embarrassed of me in front of this adulterous generation, I will be what? Embarrassed with you before my Father, which is in heaven. My friend, listen. If spiritual things make you uncomfortable, and if it feels awkward, when things are just real, very real, you have to ask yourself this question. Have I truly been born again, or have I been for a long time a southern cultural Christian with no life? We have to ask ourselves these hard questions. You find in the Christian life sometimes people want to debate you. 
I remember many times my dad talking to an uncle of mine. And my dad would eventually, like always, faithful to the end, I would always know when's dad going to do it, when's dad going to do it. He would begin to turn the conversation around with my uncle to the things of God. And boy, I could feel it when it was going to happen. And I would think, oh no, dad, don't do it again. <laughs> because my uncle was a very intelligent man. He was a man of the world, very intelligent, very quick on his feet, very quick to think. And he would argue with my dad. And I could see my dad. My dad was a railroad man, a simple man, but my dad loved the Word of God. But I could see a couple of times where he got in some areas that my father just didn't know the answer for. And I want to tell you, when you read this story, that's the way my father was. My father would just say, you know, I understand, Frank, that you don't understand these things. But just let me tell you what Jesus has done in my own heart. He would go back to his own personal story. And I want to tell you, I can remember my uncle looking at my dad, and I could just tell this is affecting my uncle, right? He does not know what to do with my dad. Ultimately, he does not know what to do with Jesus. Keep being faithful, though you can sense in your spirit around you people trying to sabotage spiritual things. And I want to tell you the reason they do it is they're uncomfortable, it's invading their space, and it's because they probably do not have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, though they may be able to sing all of these hymns in this hymn book. Some are afraid of what others will think of them if they talk about Jesus and his cross. When we're afraid of rejection from other people, when we simply are led by the Holy Spirit to share the gospel, when we are afraid to move toward people and just share the simple truth, this is what Jesus has done for me. And not be rude and not be harsh, but just from a loving heart, having it on the tip of our tongue, saying something for Jesus. Some people will begin to worry about what people are going to think. And some people simply won't believe. There have been people in my life that I've shared with, and I could just tell by their body language and their facial expressions, they were totally in darkness and did not even care. They just seemed to be standing in a spirit of unbelief. Just will not move forward. I want to encourage you, just like this man, born blind, although everybody tried to discredit him. His own mother and father were afraid to back him up. He was bold. He kept moving forward. He was courageous, even with the religious leaders. And he said, all I know is this, I was blind but now I'm saved. Stay true to your personal testimony. You see, you've been entrusted with a treasure. And this treasure is your salvation. Go tell others. Second thing is this. We've looked at the story of the man who was born blind. Second and last thing is this. I want us to look at a story. The character of a man named Philip. A very unusual circumstance that happens in the book of Acts that shows the kind of character Philip had that was backed by his conduct and even his conversation was such that people knew that he had been with Jesus, the character of a man named Philip. You see, what we are on the inside of us comes out on the outside. What's really going on inside of us spiritually reflects through our body language 
our conduct, our character, even our countenance can be a reflection of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, we know the story of Philip. He goes out and uh, he intersects with this uh, Ethiopian eunuch who was riding in a chariot. But I want to back up and say, what kind of man was Philip that God would choose him to be the one who went out to that place and to spend time with this Ethiopian and lead him to Christ and therefore getting the gospel eventually all the way to Ethiopia? Well, let's look at the choosing of the first disciples in Acts chapter 6, verses 1 through 5. Now at this time, while the disciples were increasing in number, a complaint arose on the part of the Hellenistic Jews against the native Hebrews because their widows were being overlooked in the daily serving of food. So the twelve summoned the congregation of the disciples and said, It is not desirable for us to neglect the word of God in order to serve tables. Therefore, brethren, select from among you seven men of good reputation, full of the Spirit and of wisdom, whom we may put in charge of this task. But we will devote ourselves to prayer and to the ministry of the Word. So the statement found approval with the whole congregation, and they chose Stephen, and then notice here, a man full of faith and of the Holy Spirit, and then it says, and Philip. Philip was a man of character. If he had not been, he never would have been chosen as one of the early disciples in those seven. He would have never been chosen. They had observed him. His name came up full of faith, full of the Holy Spirit. Philip was a man of character. He was both humble enough to serve tables, and he was sincere. God was able to use Philip in a special way because of what Philip was before God used him in this special way. It was the kind of man that he was, and it's the kind of woman that you are, the way you are, your character, your conduct, your conversation, your countenance, the way you are, wherever you go, your being is either a light for Christ or it can also be a hindrance to people. Acts chapter 8, verses 4 through 6. Listen to how God used Philip. Therefore, those who had been scattered went about preaching the word. Philip went down to the city of Samaria and began proclaiming Christ to them. The crowds, with one accord, were giving attention to what was said by Philip as they heard and saw the signs which he was performing. So, God was able to use Philip because he was a man of character. Philip was obedient. Sometimes it makes you very, very uncomfortable to be obedient to God. In other words, God, I believe you're saying this. I'm going to do it no matter what. And eventually I'll understand it in the by and by. Philip was obedient. Look at verses 26 and 27. But an angel of the Lord spoke to Philip saying, Get up and go south to the road that descends from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is a desert road. So he got up and went. There was an Ethiopian eunuch, a court official of Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, who was in charge of all her treasure, and he had come to Jerusalem to worship. So you say, what are you saying? The kind of person that Philip was, his character, he was observed by the early church, and so he was chosen as one of the seven disciples, these early disciples. 
And so now he's an obedient man. He's a sincere man. When God had a special task, it was Philip that God selected to intersect with this Ethiopian who was out in the desert on a deserted road in a chariot by himself. And so here God is using Philip to preach and to work miracles. And everybody was excited. They were all in one accord. And now God is saying, I want you to leave this revival where all these people are, are being enlightened and being saved. I want you to leave that and I want you to go out toward Gaza. You just go out there. I'll show you what to do. And so basically, he was connected with God, listening to God. That shows you his character. And he was willing to walk with God and do what God has said, even when God hadn't given him the whole story of what would happen. He just chose to walk in the story as it unfolded. He was obedient. He was a man of great faith. Though without much instruction, he said, I'm going to choose to trust God. He was a man of godly conduct. He was selected as a deacon. Look at chapter 8, verses 26 through 35. It says, But an angel of the Lord spoke to Philip, saying, Get up and go south to the road that descends from Jerusalem to Gaza. So he got up and went. He did what God called him to do from a hot revival to a lonely place, and he didn't know exactly what was going to take place. But not only that, Philip was a man of godly conversation. Let's look again at verse 27 in Acts 8. And there was an Ethiopian eunuch, a court official of Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, who was in charge of all her treasure, and uh, he had come to Jerusalem to worship. And he was returning and sitting in his chariot and was reading the prophet Isaiah. God's moved Philip away from dynamic service where there were thousands of people. He's put him in the middle of nowhere in a deserted place. The Spirit said to Philip, go up and join this chariot. Philip ran up and heard him reading Isaiah the prophet and said, do you understand what you're reading? And he said, well, how could I unless someone guides me? And he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. Now the passage of Scripture which he was reading was this. And of course, we know this is in Isaiah, 700 or so years before Jesus ever came to this earth as far as we know it. He says, He was led as a sheep to a slaughter, and as a lamb before its shears is silent, so he does not open his mouth. In humiliation, his judgment was taken away. Who will relate his generation? For his life is removed from the earth. The eunuch answered Philip and said, Please tell me, of whom does the prophet say this? Of himself or someone else? And look at verse 35. And this is the way you and I are to be. L look at this. Then Philip opened his mouth, and beginning from this scripture, he preached Jesus to him. He didn't take him to Genesis chapter 1. He didn't start them from the very beginning and just go verse by verse by verse by verse until you get it all. And eventually, he started where this man was in Isaiah, and he showed him Jesus in Isaiah. You say, what are you saying in this? 
You and I, first of all, need to know we're born again. We're no longer spiritually blind. We're spiritually alive in Christ Jesus. Our salvation is a treasure that's entrusted to us. We do not need to take it for granted. We must use our vocal cords and our mouth. We must use our entire being to help other people see before it's too late. And if our life is going to be a witness to those around us, family and friends, school teachers, classmates, people we work with, hard-headed uncles, granddads, grandmas, people all around us, some who will try to discredit you, some who will want to argue with you, some who just watch you and watch you and watch you for years, hoping that it won't be true. We have to be men, women, boys, and girls of character in our conduct, in our conversation, and even our countenance, as that's what we see in Philip. Then Philip opened his mouth, and beginning from this scripture, he preached Jesus to him. Now let me ask you, when he opened his mouth, and it says in the psalm, to open thou thy mouth, and I will fill it. When Philip opened his mouth, I can tell you this, he didn't have notes like this. He didn't have notes. He just opened his mouth, and God spoke through him, beginning right where this man is. Look, I'm all for evangelism training. We've had two or three training sessions here in the last five and a half years. I'm all for that, and we'll continue to do that, how to lead other people to Christ. But the main thing that you can do is build a relationship with an individual without Christ. Build a relationship with that person. Let them watch you and listen to you. Knowing that they either see Christ in you for others or they don't really see it. And let the witness of the Holy Spirit in you draw them to Jesus Christ and then you point them to it and take them right where they are to right where they should be. Everybody's different. Everybody's at a different level of life. Everybody's had different life experiences. Take people right where they are. Win them over. Be winsome to them. Don't hold back. Sometimes, as Oswald Chambers says, sometimes we don't realize that we are choking people with ourselves instead of telling them about Jesus. Be careful not to talk about so many other things. So many other things that when people are with you, they just don't hear about Jesus. That doesn't mean you have to preach to everybody that comes in front of you. But always have your antennas up. Always be thinking, how can I lead this person to the Lord Jesus Christ? Listen to what Paul said to Timothy. 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 14. Listen to this. Paul said, guard Guard through the Holy Spirit who dwells in us the treasure that's been entrusted to you. That treasure is your salvation. Guard it and be willing to go and tell other people just like the blind man who had received his sight. He just told it. It was questioned. He just kept telling it and never did give up. And then remember, 
God's probably not going to use you if people know you as cranky, if people know you as argumentative, if people know you as a nominal Christian. God's just probably not going to be able to use you. You've got to be a man and a woman, boy or girl, good reputation, a person of good character that's backed up by your conduct, and a person that God can use. Amen. You've been listening to Abiding Above Ministries with Chris Hodges. If you would like Chris to speak at your church or event, please go to our website, abidingabove.org. God bless you and make you a blessing.